LifeWays Connections. Would like to thank business partner Dark Canyon Coffee today. Dark Canyon Coffee is locally owned and operated wholesale specialty coffee company. We thank them for supporting LifeWays and helping kids live drug-free and positive lives. We hope a good cup of coffee is comfort and constant, their motto. Welcome to LifeWays Connections. My name is Garrett Atwood and I'm privileged to be speaking with Paula Longfox today. She's been around the school systems for more than 30 years, am I right? Yes. Primarily working with kids. I'd like to welcome her today. Thank you, Garrett. I appreciate your having me here. What is it that you would like to bring to this conversation today that's important to you? I think advocacy for our young people, especially those um, from sixth grade to seniors in high school. It's a really difficult time of life and it it's a rapid changing uh, time of life for those young people. And I just feel like people don't listen to them. So that's the role I've taken in my life is to try to be there walk beside them as they go through um, all their changes, just give them support and listen to them. That's a big, big job uh, when I think about it. Well, I find it's made my life rich. It's challenged me. Sometimes it feels like riding a horse with no reins. Mm, good analogy. But I never feel critical toward the youth for the challenges they're facing because um, it's life and they've taught me so much and as I try to be a good role model for them I feel like I've become a better person for having been around the youth. How do we get that belief system to transfer to our community so that the community can uh, develop the same kind of relationships with kids? You know, I think it begins with language, the way we use our language. In Lakota, um, we refer to each other with relationship names, Ina, which is mom, or Ate, which is dad, um, uh, Unchi for grandmother. Um, we we always remind ourselves we're related to one another. And what that does when you interact with people then is you don't interact with them like it'll be over in a minute. You interact with uh, the individual like you, like they, you will know them for your life and that um, your interactions are, have consequences in your life and theirs for time time to come so you you be more careful and try to be more joyful in your interactions with each other so for instance years ago um, 
when I was in high school, people would be driving downtown and they'd see a native walking along the sidewalk and they'd think there's an Indian. Well, over the course of history of this country, meaning South Dakota, an Indian was um, somewhere um, below a human being and uh, above an elk. So you didn't have people uh, seeing your humanity um, at all. So I always was, when I taught Indian education, I'd ask my students, my my teachers, to when you see a Native person, say, I wonder if that person has um, grandchildren or is an aunt or an uncle, and I wonder where they come from as opposed to just using a short term, like Indian, uh, or someone on the street. Uh, It would be like seeing someone with blonde hair go across the street and just think to yourself, there's a dumb blonde, and not wonder who that person is. So anytime we dehumanize each other by putting labels on one another um, with short sentence structure, then we're starting to be lost. Ancestry it doesn't seem to play um, as important a role, or, or there's not as much being talked about when we talk about our ancestors and how, how their lives are really our lives. That it's, oh, sure. You know, passed down, and that there yes. are so many generations... Um, so. Oh, I I learned something at North Middle School from a science teacher named Dave Ireland. He was looking for volunteers to come to his classroom, and I volunteered. And while I was there, I learned about mtDNA, mitochondria something something DNA, and it is the DNA that changes glucose to energy. It's like a little powerhouse inside of every cell. And in that class, and since then, I've come to learn that mtDNA doesn't change for 10 generations. It's only passed from female to offspring. So that would mean that my mtDNA, I change glucose to energy the same as 10 grandmas back and um, that's just one small example of how close we are to our relatives that came before us and how close we will be to the next seven generations that come after us I can't remember who said it but uh, I've always touted that we need a government that thinks about seven generations to come before they make decisions. Um, and, yes. And I know, I, who said that? Do you remember? Um, Was that Blackout? No, I don't remember who said that, but I know it's a philosophy and it's said often uh, in our Lakota prayers and mm-hmm. in our Anipis, our sweat lodges. Um, we're reminded of that often. How does this relate, this spiritual kind of a, a, of a belief system, 
to our kids today, whether they be native kids or, or white kids or uh, Spanish American. But that we're all related. Mm -hmm. Because if we go back to that mtDNA, there were only possibly up to four um, origins for that mtDNA. And what that means is that we're all related. So being a mixed blood myself, I meaning I have Irish ancestry, my grandpa came from Ireland, and my uh, grandma is indigenous to this uh, turtle nation that we're all related and the scientists are going to be able to prove it and are close to proving it genetically. And they are also talking about our DNA that we have in common with the plants and the animals. We all affect one another. I try to get that across to the students that I work with so that they can see their purpose is to walk so that others can follow. Because I believe that especially sixth to eighth grade, the kids are wondering who they are and what their purpose is. Titch and Ahan, uh, he was incredibly involved with the Vietnam War and, and uh, spoke against it so much that he was exiled uh, for many, many years. He just was allowed to return because he's, he's dying. And he has a phrase that he's, it's called interbeing. And mm. it, it, how everything is interacting and is interbeing with each other. You know, when we drink uh, a glass of water, uh, we don't think about it. The sky, the, the evaporation, the, the changes in the water, um, that the trees are connected to it. And it, it, to me, what you were saying was the same thing, is that everything is connected. Yes. Everything is connected. How do yes. we get that? How, now, you said that, that this is something that you um, really work to get the kids to get it. Uh, to understand it. When or they... at least to wonder about it. Oh. To wonder what their purpose is. Mm. To wonder um, enough to ask a question. Um, and to wonder who they are. That's, you know, that I don't try to provide answers to those questions. If they ask me what I think, I can share. But, um, they need to wonder. That's where depth is bred, where soul comes from, I think, is those kinds of deep inner looking. Substance use plays a, a difficult part in all that, getting it across the kids. Um, well, to jump the that. kids have their own wisdoms. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a true believer in their wisdom. And if you be willing to listen. It gives them permission to share or touch base with what they know. And then when they share it with you, they hear themselves do that. And so it makes them feel and does connect them to that inner spirit of theirs. It's important that they feel valued. And so often 
in so many ways um, anymore. We don't get that message that we're valued. And I, I let the kids know. Um, I work with some students through Lifeways called Youth to Youth. And they're kids that have made a commitment not to use and to find other ways to um, have natural highs. So we practice every Friday after school. And I told them, oh, geez, I don't work on Fridays, but if you're asking me to, I will. I'll come, I'll be here with you for an hour and a half, and we will practice having fun. And I wanted them to know that because they asked, I, I'll show up. Um, I don't want them to think I'm super person, but I want them to know that I value them enough to change my schedule. And I also, though, told them if it's a Friday night and, and I'm going to be out of town for three days, you guys are probably just going to have to, you know, not have me be with you that one day. And they said, okay, that's a deal. So we met halfway and, um, they show up every Friday, and the group just kept growing, and we practiced playing cards or doing um, teens against tobacco activities and just having fun. You really speak to the truth that's inside them. You you help awaken that kind of truth that everyone, I think, is born with I believe is born with it yes um, they all have the truth that they're born with I believe that how do we get others to understand that and speak to them with that knowledge I think the first thing that you do is greet them and be glad to see them and ask them how they are how are you and if they say fine how are you then be honest back <laughs> mm-hmm they, I often say to the kids, look, I don't know what it's like to be you. I do know you guys are under a lot of stress these days. But um, I'm curious about what it is to be you in this time frame. So anytime you feel like sharing that, I'm curious. What is, I know what it was like to be a kid when I was younger, but that's different now. What is it like for you? Again, just sitting and doing reflective listening, geez, you just, you feel blessed after you've spent some time with the kids. You're not in the schools at this time. How is that affecting? Well, it makes me lonesome. I miss the students. I am, <laughs> I am uh, an elder at this point. I'm 66 years old, and I'm learning how to use uh, the Internet. However, it's a challenge for me, but then there's also a challenge on how do you share your heart with somebody through the Internet? Um, how does that happen? So I'm just in the process of trying to decide how, how to do that with the, the kids that I'm going to be working with. Now, I can use Zoom for my youth to youth kids, and we can get together and play a you know, play Uno or do some card games um, or have a visit, that's a, uh, you know, get about 12, 13 kids online. Um, 
with each other. But the kids that I'm going to teach, um, give them drug and alcohol education, um, uh, that's a different, that's a horse of a different color, so to speak. I've, I'm going to try to develop something that's meaningful. Wish me luck on that. I have all kinds of faith in you. I know you'll figure that out. I find when I work with the kids that they don't like preaching, but they like stories. They'll say, tell us a story, Miss Longfox. I encourage them to tell stories as well, and it gives them confidence. Yeah, storytelling was a, a form of education for many, many years. And it still is. Mm -hmm. The coronavirus, have you had an opportunity to talk to kids about that? We did. Uh, prior to school getting out, one of my teachers, Mrs. Gill, and I were teaching a health class. And um, that virus came up, and the kids didn't, hadn't been paying much attention. This is the first of March. And um, we encouraged them to keep their hands away from their face and just fill them in on what a virus is, what do they look like, what's, how do they work in the body. We did a, I think we did a video on it, just about five minutes explaining what a virus is. Knowledge is um, empowering. So we just wanted them to have knowledge. Now LifeWays is developed um, notes that we can send out to the kids and then we can use the school system email uh, structure to email those kids that we've been working with. So we can check on them. That's pretty awesome. I can remember early as three years ago, uh, I wasn't really too positive about social media and kids. I thought that uh, they're always on their phones and they're not learning how to communicate. And then something like this comes up and I realize now how far off I was, that I was way out of line and that it's a, it's a lifeline now. It, it's in some places like New York and we don't have the significant outbreak here uh, that they have in other parts of the city, uh, other parts of the country, excuse me. I think you weren't far off um, originally because there's this concept of balance, right? Uh, it's, it's important to be, know how to work the media and to stay in touch um, in the digital world, but it's also important to spend time together. And thank goodness that South Dakota has blizzards because uh, during Atlas, I came back to school just after Atlas and I said to the kids, what was, what'd you like about being snowed in? And without a doubt, most of the comments were I got to spend time with my dad or I got to know my mom even better. And they were joyful about that. They, there was some withdrawals from no technology, no electricity, but they talked about the board games. They talked about being outside with them. So I think we need balance. And virus is kind of pulling us back toward that. I see that. It can be very scary, and I have my moments when I'm frustrated with it, but Everything's for a reason, even though we don't understand the reason. And so we have to adjust and 
take the good and leave the bad. Acceptance is the answer to all my problems. Yes. That's all However, some great things have happened because an individual wasn't willing to accept something and they they followed their path and persevered through things and maybe had a breakthrough for the rest of us. Mm. So I'm thinking you just got to be true to yourself and follow your passion. Keep acceptance in mind, but if you feel moved that you you just have to get this done, whatever the project is, then, you know, again, there's balance, a balance of acceptance and a balance of pushing through something. It's only when we go just one way that we, that it becomes an illness. I've got an off-the-wall question that directly relates Shoot. to this. If, if you could have the option of eradicating pain from your life, would you choose to do so? I have a ability, since I was really little, to have a little bit of disassociation, where if I was so embarrassed by a situation, I would pull myself out of my body and I would be sitting on a cottonwood limb watching the situation from up there and seeing it like a Lucille Ball show and laughing at it and laughing at myself. So I've had a natural ability to move away from pain. So my first inclination isn't to go through pain. So so sometimes I have to be careful when I'm working with the kids that I don't, my experience and the way I've reacted in life on them. I'm, I'm very respectful of their path and where they uh, are needing to go. And I wait to see where that is until I feel compelled to insert myself. But most of the time, I just try to walk beside them because, geez, those kids are, the kids I've come in contact with are generous, loving, concerned, sensitive. The numbing of pain entirely just has a tendency to allow yourself to get burned. If you take too much Tylenol and you touch an oven and you can't feel the heat, then then you've got a physical injury. So you have to learn how to accept the pain and move, move through it. But it, it doesn't come naturally because we try to move away from pain. Seek pleasure, right? I've decided about 15 years, maybe 20 years ago, that I wanted pain to be like lightning and come into my body and for me to let it go out of my body because pain is there for a reason. But if you hold on to it, it it's it's not healthy. It, it needs to be a wake-up call and then let it go because time has moved on. So that's for myself personally. That was my own personal growth. Um, and the kids, I, I wait to see what they need, and they'll tell you what they need. How does that relate to the substance use, pain versus pleasure? I think there's a natural inclination to love dopamine, which is one of the neurotransmitters that gives you the feeling of, oh, that felt good. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens with water when you eat food. Um, when you do meth, you know, you're your reserve of dopamine is used up in a flood all at once to the point where it burns off the 
the receptors for receiving the dopamine. So overstimulation of pleasure is detrimental to you physically and spiritually. And again, the words balance. My experience in working with youth and then still knowing that youth when they're 40 and 50 years old, which is at this point in my life what's going on, I I see that the chemical use um, created pain for them and their families. It doesn't mean that they aren't still beautiful people and that their families aren't wonderful. It just means that everybody's injured a little bit. I'm in this position working with the families and their children. If they so choose, they have an option to put off that addiction till the till they're adults, where they their frontal lobe is fully developed and they can think about what they want to do. If they still want to numb out the pain, then that's their choice. But as a youth, if you drink, for instance, for two to three times a week for four months, you can become physically, not emotionally, but physically addicted to that chemical of alcohol. So to me, that's that's not healthy. Incredibly dangerous. Incredibly yes. Dangerous. Take six to 18 years for an adult to become physically addicted to alcohol, unless mm-hmm. both sides of your parents have alcoholism in their family. What, what do you hope that people will take away from our conversation today? When I went through counseling, my counseling degree, they were teaching us what a dysfunctional family was. I came home from class one day and I said to my husband, Bruce, I said, Bruce, I want to know what a healthy family is, (laughs) not a dysfunctional family. That way we could encourage people to shoot for that. And he smiled at me and he was getting his master's in business, so I didn't think he'd have an answer for me. But he smiled and he said, Paula, a healthy family knows what their dysfunction is and they're working on it. And I just smiled and I thought, oh my goodness, isn't that the truth? So self-awareness, we all, none of us are perfect, we're all human beings, and we all need to reach and grow every day that we live and we breathe. I really appreciate that that you put it into a, a perspective where Uh, that dysfunction is only an aspect of who those people really are. It's just a a fraction of the truth about who they are as people. Uh, I've always admired that about you, your ability to to see problems and uh, as only aspects, not the whole person. Oh, no, yeah. And so many people uh, judge quickly and um, make it the whole person rather than looking deeper and and seeing that there's much more to an addicted person than just their addiction. They are, they have an addiction. They are not the addiction. Can't. It's like having coronavirus. It's it's 
that's not who the person is. They're dangerous, that you know, uh, yeah. frighteningly so. But that's that's a human being, and there's so much more to them than just that's correct. Their disease, diabetes, cancer, right? Any of the other diseases. And I do think our community's getting closer to understanding that, and I'm really proud of them for that. But I believe that um, it's been a long time coming, and so I'm so happy that we, we feel uh, more comfortable about talking about addiction these days. I appreciate the time that you've spent. Well, thanks. I appreciate you're willing to listen to me. <laughs> I at times m might have interrupted because you spark some pretty intense thoughts that, for me, which is always a good thing. I hope other people can take that same kind of an approach to hearing what you have to say. This is a strange time, very it strange is. time. And no one really knows what the answer is uh, other than attempting to stay connected. Yes. Doing the very best that we can to stay connected. And your method, not threatening at all. It's it, it's incredibly loving way of approaching people. I hear you more saying at, at this time that kids are small adults, which is in reality what they are. There's a truth that's been born into all of us. I, I appreciate your, your belief system, your philosophy, and your love of kids. Just oh, your incredible love of kids. I tell you, they've made my life pretty rich. I'm guessing that they have turned around and said the same thing about you too, Paula. I, I, I thank you from the bottom of, of my heart for spending this time. I have always enjoyed being around you. Aw, thank you. You're very welcome. How should we conclude our time together? The Lakota say, we'll see you again. 